I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Chosen Family. I'm Thomas LeBlanc. And I'm Trana Winter. And today we're so excited to bring you a conversation that we had live on stage at the RIDM Documentary Film Festival here in Montreal. Um, I really would like to kind of give voice to my mom again as a, as a young woman. Modella, giornalista e docente, Benedetta Barzini. That's a little clip from a film called The Disappearance of My Mother, which I have to say is my favorite film of the year. It was made by Beniamino Barese, and it focuses on his mother, Benedetta Barzini. So Benedetta was a supermodel in the 60s. She was discovered by the Vogue editor, legendary Diana Vreeland, um, who got her to go to New York and work with all these photographers and fashion editors. She was also the first cover model of Italian Vogue. But... Later in life, she really revolted against the culture of image making and its oppression over women in particular. She eventually became a feminist scholar and activist. When she started her family in, in the 70s and 80s when she had um, Benemino, and they have such a fascinating, interesting relationship. He's always filming her, photographing her. Benedetta is in her 70s now. Um, and we see in the film that she... She says she wants to disappear. She wants to dissolve. She wants her image to no longer be available to people. And it's quite a fascinating journey. We weren't sure if she was going to be joining us for our event. And then when I saw her walk into the room, I just got so excited. And she went and sat in just this corner that was completely shadowed. There was no light. Benedetta turned out to be such a character. And I think she was riveting for the audience. Like, I felt she grabbed the audience's attention that night. So we started this conversation by revisiting Benedetta's time spent as a model in 1960s New York. So you, you spent five years in New York. That's when you, that's where you met Andy Warhol. You were a part of the factory. No, I wasn't part. I was watching the factory. You were watching the factory. I didn't let them catch me. <laughs> you were dating a poet at the time who was a part of the factory. No, it wasn't you? true. It was Andy's lover. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, so I kept a distance. <laughs> so you... But he was courting me because I'm Italian. And he was Italian. I mean, his origin is Italian. So he figured that I was like an umbilical cord with Europe. And I said, no. <laughs> let me out of this. But I have to tell you something, just to give yes. you a key. My mom is very nice, but she acts the role of the angry woman. But she's like, oh, it's <laughs> an act. It's partially. An I act. don't. Give me thirty more minutes, and then I'll. <laughs> um, wanting to make this film about your mother, and it's so pure, and it's so much from a place of love, and it is also in direct opposition of what your mother wants. You want to capture her in imagery. And she wants to disappear and escape imagery. And I'm wondering, why did you push so much? No, sometimes people ask me this question and they are kind of upset, especially women. And they say, okay, you, it seems that you want to approach the topic of women. 
but actually feminism is about agency and your mom doesn't seem to have any agency in this film. And the thing is, there was a conflict between us, but there was also an agreement between us, which had to do with uh, the fact that we both knew that this was going to be a process that would let us let go of each other on the one hand, as well as explore themes that we both cared. But in the edit, we wanted to really portray this conflict because it was a key to understand so much more, you know? But it's constructed, this conflict. I made it like this on the screen so that you could feel exactly that kind of uncomfortableness right. that yeah. you, you felt. And uh, But also there is another reason that I think that it's a responsibility of a kid to uh, go against their families, you know? And, uh, right, yeah. and for me, this was important to break this reverence that I had for my mom. You know, I would always do just what she wants because I love her so much. And then at some point you have to do something else. So That's very interesting because Benedetta, you, your mother was a heiress and she was obsessed with wealth from what I was reading. You mentioned it also in the doc. So in a way you rebelled against your mother and then your own son rebels against you. Where does that end? Never ending story, <laughs> no. I rebelled against my mother because she was a shit. <laughs> and, and that's it. I mean, being a mother is a job. And if you don't do the job, go to hell. Yes. You know, so... Well, you said being a mother... But I was, I was a mother. I mean, I was cooking every day, and yeah. I was cleaning the house, and I was taking them to school, and blah, 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 the whole dude. So I, I did my job. But why, why did Benamino did you decide not to include the rest of the family? Because the that it's not the story of, of us, of our family, or my life, or how many lovers I had, or what the hell. It's the story of certain topics yeah, yeah. that are faced in the film. One of which is my desire. The thing that I wanted to do was to be old. Because I can't stand this world where you have to always pretend to be younger. So I said, okay, he's going to do this. Okay, well, I won't comb my hair. I won't try to look any better. I won't dress, I wear something a little more fashionable. Mm -hmm. No, none of that. And so I, I made this exercise as a gift to aging women, especially women, because men, you know, the older they get, the wiser they are. Allegedly. <laughs> women are just old ladies. Men are wise men. Okay. Secondly, Benjamino and myself never went one against the other. Mm -hmm. We have different ideas about certain things, one of which is this thing about images, because I've been shot at mm. for years. Yeah. And that is not pleasant. It's horrible. I'm going to a shooting. Yeah. No, thank yeah. you. So, and, and Benjamino was shooting me. Yeah. So it's a conflict, but it's not something against him. It's against the fact, you know, of being shot at. Do you, do you see shooting as something that's violent? But, but no, I mean, I, I guess I heard this many times since I was yeah. a kid, and I always try to use the word filming, which is such a more poetic word. But sometimes I, 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 I mixed up the words and I say it and I'm like, oh, fuck, actually I said that <laughs> and maybe I mean it. I mean, yes, there is a portion of violence in this, uh, in this job. You know, you're, you're really stealing something and you're always using the fragility of the other person because you can always see more than the person knows. You know, you always look for something that the person is not aware. You're always catching the person off guard because that's where 
the real beauty, the real truth li lies. And uh, yeah, so it is partially a shooting, but I have this naivety that it's actually for the best of the world, for the best of the person, you know, so. Mm. Benedetta, you mentioned, you know, talking about that idea of the agreement in the film, you mentioned that you finally agreed to it because it would have hurt him more if you had said no than it would hurt you to do the film. Not more or less. Right. I chose to hurt myself right. instead of hurting him. And were, were you hurt in the way you thought you would be by the end of the filming? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, a lot. Mm. A lot of a little bit. <laughs> what was the most difficult part? Well, this filming of me in bed. And then uh, the intimacy of the place where I really live, which is my office. It's a very small, intimate place, and every time he would come, he would knock something over, and that pisses me off. So uh, that kind of thing sort of hurts a little bit. It's like you're not undressing yourself, but you are undressing your little world, mm -hmm. no? So the whole thing. Mm. The idea of disappearing. I want to talk about that concept because it's such, you know, an important part of the film. It's described a lot. It's shown in different scenarios. But Benedetta, I'm just curious what that really means to you. Okay, it's about death. To disappear means, I mean, in my terms, meant to take my backpack and go away and never come back. So as for my children, I would be dead, but I'm still alive, but you can't find me. And there's no corpse, and there's no funeral, and you don't know what day I die. It's my fucking business, not yours. So it has to do with... Um, culture of death, which in uh, the Mediterranean world uh, is a thing that's made of uh, tears and tragedy, and oh my God, how can I live without my mother? Oh, my mother died. I can't stand that crap. You've also described disappearing as a gift that you want to give yourself, the gift of a life that is different from the one that you've yeah, known. absolutely. So that's the good part in a way, but it's also, it has a very, very high cost, very high price, and the price is giving up all your affections and knowing that you will never see them again. And you're still alive, but you don't know what happens to them. And you're not gonna call from a phone booth somewhere, no. So it has its price, it has its, uh, its difficulties, and uh, on the other hand, it was, it's my idea about how to get out of this world. Benedetta, have you ever heard of the concept of ghosting? No. Okay, so ghosting is basically when you're dating someone and you're not interested anymore and you stop like responding to their messages, their texts, and you no longer hang out with that person. So maybe that would be a way to, to, <laughs> to, to sort of bring this project to you. It's a horrible suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like people that do that. They're of no. course, no one likes people to ghost. But they do it. You do that? If I, if I ghost? No, I don't. I don't think, no. You I ghost? I've done it. You've done it? <laughs> yeah. And what benefits have you had from it? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't like confrontation. I've been ghosted too. You know, it, it's gone both ways. Um, mm. But 
you know, also, I haven't ghosted anyone that I have shared something real with. Mm. You know what I mean? That I could never do. That's why I find the idea of disappearing so interesting. A few years ago, there was this podcast. I don't know if any of you remember this. It was called Missing Richard Simmons. He was a person who had, you know, deep friendships and people in his life. And one day he just decides to disappear. No goodbye. No offering of closure to the people in his life. And the idea of someone that I love doing that to me would be really devastating. So I would not be able to go someone that I share something real with. Don't do it again. <laughs> I won't. In the film, uh, <laughs> um, you're, you're also like a very vocal criti critique of capitalism. And that's like, I love this like really radical tone that you have throughout the film that you're like, this system is shit. It's oppressing us. And, and you, you're also a teacher and you sort of like really have this passion to like speak the truth to students. There's no such thing as the truth. Yeah, but you're, you're a truth teller. No, what I do is observe, which is different, and not criticize. So I would take the pictures in that particular class and show them what the picture says in an anthropological reading of the picture. So if you put a naked woman in a wood with branches and oh, whatever, it's the recall of Eve mm -hmm. somehow. No? And if you look at the pictures of the fashion magazines, Women are treated like shit. I mean, they're, they're clay. They're, they're, you can do anything you want with them. And that's something I wouldn't tell my students. But I would say, look at this position. Look how she's sitting like this. Or, you know, and would you put a man in that st same situation? I would show what the world is giving us as, as images. So that's not quite wanting to tell the truth. It's wanting to open young people's eyes on observing and on uh, trying, well, of course, you have to have a little bit of knowledge because if you don't know who Eve is, you're stuck. <laughs> Anyhow, so a uh, little, little bit. <laughs> But to observe, for instance, Okay, I don't want to go on with this because I can start with one of my lessons and it goes yeah, on for three hours. I think hours. people are really into it, actually. <laughs> but No, but I'll give you one example. I mean, you walk in front of a shoe shop, okay? And the men's shoes are all, they can be crazy shoes, but you can walk in them. And the women's shoes have heels like this and plat platforms like And you say, but why? Why? Because anthropologically, women were not supposed to go anywhere. They're not supposed to walk. So what you have today is women with heels like this, stiletto heels carrying the other shoes, the walking shoes in a little bag, and when they stop showing off how beautiful their legs are with stiletto heels, they put the other shoes on. So there are things that we're dragging along since centuries that say a lot about the condition, for instance, of women. I mean, think about how religion dresses women. And so, I mean, I, I, I work, oh, I have worked because I'm not teaching anymore, on observation. Mm -hmm. But don't you find in a way you're making it harder for them to live this life? No, because w what we need is to not fall into the trap. Right. Consumism is a trap. Do you really need all the things that they say you should have? No. But that's what I think is another sort of interesting tension between the two of you. There's this, you know, 
critique and analysis of images and the way that they work to enforce these sort of prisons and constraints on us. And you as a photographer and filmmaker are, you're creating images that can be or might not be part of that sort of paradigm. So I'm curious for you, learning everything that you've learned from your mother in terms of observing images, what drives you to continue to create images? Can I answer for him? Well, ask him if you can answer for him. Maybe. You can both answer. Yeah, okay. No, just my answer is that it, it is definitely, um, like, as you said, it makes your life more difficult, of course. Like, when I was in London and I was seeing all my, f the most successful friends were mainly people that didn't ask too many questions. They could replicate or they could even invent something new, but within specific requirements. And most of the time you have to conform. And, like, I wouldn't be able to work so comfortably within the fashion industry, for example, as a photographer, because the same, often the same schemes repeat. It, it gives me um, a point of view, and it's not a chance that I went to study philosophy after high school, and that kind of imprinting is always in me. I always start from trying to carve my, my look onto things and never really accepting what's there. So that's my method, whatever I do. Well, my answer is we can't get away from what we're doing or what we have to do in this world. Right. Okay? So if I'm a model, which I still am once in a while, I get right. called and I have to pay bills. So I say yes. I can't say no. You can do th things that this society demands with dignity. That's the difference. Mm. And get away from vulgarity. And you can do that. So even if you're a photographer, you're shooting a fashion thing or whatever, you can do it with dignity. And you can also make people laugh and be funny, have humor with dignity. Well, that's really... I could not agree more we, with that. Okay. But we, are, we live in a culture that's so undignified. Well, we're losing so dignity. And I think that's, that's what's that's fucking all. us over is that we're like the system and, and capitalism is really making sure that we have less and less and less dignity. Well, don't, uh, but don't what, what do you mean by that? I'm just well, just like I feel that's, you know, politically we're, 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 we're not coming together. We're all like atomized. We're all separate. We're in a culture where like people don't value their own dignity. Well, I don't care about people. I mean, we can't be responsible for what the world around us does. But we can observe that people are turned into white sheep that follow suit. That's for sure. But it's not our personal business. I mean, so when I say you can do the same things but with dignity, mm -hmm. that's it. You can't do more than that. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. One thing that's interesting also in the film, there are a few scenes where you're modeling and it's really funny because like you don't speak so much in these scenes. You're behind, you're backstage at a fashion show in London and you're on the beach modeling, but you say so much with your eyes. 
and so much is going on. When you were filming, knowing your mother, what was she thinking in those moments? Yeah, she, let's she, get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get it over with or... Yeah, I mean, I could see all her fragility and vulnerability and insecurity and how she still feels like the teenager that wants to please mm. whoever has been calling, you know. That's that's what I meant before, when somebody's in front of the camera or has to perform, either they're eager or not, but they have this this sort of tension to try to please. And, um, and I could see it in my mom, but at the same time, the uncomfortableness of being there, you know. No, but there's something interesting about a catwalk. So you get one chance, one. And if you goof, you goof. And it lasts one minute. When you walk that catwalk, all the other models are looking straight ahead. They're kind of like, no. you're looking all over. No. You're a bad model. Yeah, and <laughs> she was and almost have, falling in that catwalk. It was so it. funny. Yeah. No, well, because I feel also that I get chosen, quote, unquote, once in a while to break the rhythm. Yeah. yeah. And because I'm not a professional catwalker. So I say, okay, Barzini, if you want to look, look. And if you want to and smile, was, smile. Cool. And they're all like this with this sort of dead face. Yeah. And it's really sad. Plus, I want to show the clothes. So if you put a dress on me, I'll do my best to show its shape. So I was walking, thinking, shit, I only have one chance. I hope I get through this. And, okay, I'll look left and right, because I want to know where I'm going. But, um, but I want to show the dress I'm wearing. Do you actually love fashion? Let me ask you a question. What's the use of fashion? What's the use of fashion? Okay. Uh, you think well, about that for the next 10 years and then let me yeah. know. <laughs> We're born naked and the rest is drag. Okay. Is there any kind of beauty that brings you joy? Is there a beauty that can exist outside of capitalism in the way that it's defined? Because uh, even when I said the word beauty in the first minute, you don't like that word. No, I think it's... Uh, you know, sometimes when you're walking on the sidewalk... There's a little plant that grows between pieces, two pieces of cement. That's beauty. That's beauty for you? Yeah. And beauty is something hidden. It's something you have to look behind the corner. And it's not the fact that you might have a physical defect that doesn't make you beautiful at all. It makes you very you. And so beauty is around the corner. It's not the official construction of a great blah, blah, blah cathedral or skyscraper because that is the expression of power. The cathedral in terms of religion and the whatever skyscraper in terms of money. Of, uh, so uh, beauty is where, where there isn't any of that. There's not a reason for it, no? There's a reason for the Taj Mahal in India. There's a reason for the Capella Sistina, Michelangelo, whatever. Beauty is where you don't usually look. Beautiful women are boring. I mean, they're so symmetrical. The eyes are like the, the nose, the mouth. It's boring. And beauty is not that. That is commercial beauty. What do you think? I think then? I should stop. No, I think that was so beautiful. That was really great. <laughs> I guess just to end, one of the moments that I thought was funny um, is when you describe him as obsessive. 
do you consider yourself to be obsessed with your mother? And how does that affect your other relationships? Really? Yes. How? <laughs> <laughs> this is a really bad question. No. <laughs> really, this is maybe something that I said uh, a while ago. We, I, I, I constructed the story out of right. the inspiration of real life, but I made her into a character of yeah. this kind of angry woman. Because you push her. You ask her questions that I can tell you know are going to anger her. But that's because you when, knew you, that when, you, when you make that a way. film, you have to ask the, the obvious yeah. question for the purpose of getting a reaction. Right. So that's the mechanism of filmmaking. But I was building, I built myself consciously as the obsessive kid because I wanted to, to really mirror all the other people in my generation that have this bulimic relationship with images. Uh, so I, I did it in the, in the construction of the, the film. But in terms of how this relationship affects my, my life, for sure it does. Like, I, I think my mom was, for me, the archetype of the femini yeah. femininity. She's such a strong uh, woman, and this has completely skewed my conception of what being a woman and, and the mother is. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, now hopefully that I processed her a little bit and I took the myth down into reality by telling the story together with her, I will also be freer of yeah. this conception. He is shitting his mother from his system. <laughs> <laughs> okay? And that's a very sane result right. of the film. Well, that's the perfect That's a great wrap-up. I mean, yeah. what else is there to say? I just want to add that Truly, this was an incredibly memorable and important film for me. I really feel like everyone needs to see this, especially in this moment in time where we're finally starting to understand the ravages of capitalism and what it's had on our lives and the way that we're so enslaved to this idea of trying to be beautiful. So I just really think it's so brilliant and so important. But it's very simple. You have a vase of honey. Don't fall into it. There. That's it. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Thank you both. Thank you both so, so, so much. much. Thank you. Thank you. So wonderful. That was our conversation with Benedetta Barzini and Beniamino Barese, recorded live at the RIDM Documentary Film Festival in Montreal. The Disappearance of My Mother is making its way to theaters across North America. It was a New York Times pick of the week a few weeks ago. Keep an eye for it. It's really, really remarkable. A very big thank you to the folks at RIDM for helping us make this happen. It was such an unforgettable night. We will be back on January 15th with a brand new episode. Until then, have a very happy new a happy year. Happy new year. Everybody. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Take care. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.